Hello and welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. I'm your host, Doug Hill, and in today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by longtime friend, fellow educator, and fellow unionist, Paula Herbart. A middle school music educator for many years, Paula currently serves as the president of the Michigan Education Association, which represents close to 100,000 active and retired educators in the state. A native of Macomb County in suburban Detroit, Paula is the child of a pair of educators who, she notes, were student athletes when they were younger and prioritized outdoor activities and an active lifestyle when raising their family. Paula attended the University of Michigan and is naturally a big Wolverines fan, but currently lives in Lansing, Michigan. Paula, welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. Thanks for having me, Doug. This is exciting. I'm excited to have you. Thanks for being here. Um, you know, I, I pride myself as a former reporter of being a minimalist on this. I don't have a lot of questions. The only one I really will ask is your earliest recollection of being a sports fan. Um, my mother loves, loved baseball, loved baseball. And my parents grew up in Northwestern Pennsylvania. And so they grew up being more Ohio professional team fans like the Indians and, um, or the Buffalo Bills that was close, you know, uh, New York state, they were very close to the New York state line. So, um, but my mother and father graduated from college in 1952 and my mother got a job in Fraser, Michigan and fell in love with the Tigers from that minute on. And the Tigers were the team, um, and she was an avid baseball fan. Uh, and so we as a family, I'm one of five, I'm three of five, would go to baseball games at Tiger Stadium. And um, we were taught how to score, you know. And I think that's the only way my dad could stand being at a baseball game was to score. My dad loved my mom a lot, but did not love baseball. Okay. So he taught us all to score. and We always scored and did that. And I think that led to my later becoming more engaged in the stat sides of um, athleticism when I was in high school. I'll talk about that a little later. But um, so we would go to the ball game, and it was a fairly inexpensive way to take five kids out and be entertained. And then, um, but I always was in a pair of roller skates, in a pair of ice skates. I was sledding down the hill. I was outside playing ball. You know, um, one of your former uh, interviewees, Tim Parker, was talking about a baseball diamond in the yard. We had that. Our our home, you know, four girls and a boy, but our house had the baseball diamond when I was growing up. Who knows why? We probably had the trees set the right way in the front yard. Um, so we'd play baseball. All the guys would come and hang out. And we'd play baseball and um, all of that sort of thing. Rode my bike all the time. I, My father used to say I could get suntan in the winter because I was outside all the time. I never stayed indoors. Um, and that um, really was because probably I had ADHD and didn't know it, but um, just wanted to be outside. I used to have to beg my sister, Joya, to go outside and ice skate with me. And when I talk about ice skating, I'm talking about, you know, the little puddles that collect in ditches in your house. If there was a patch of ice, 
I was skating on it. Julia and I had our own ice skates and we'd get out there and like do little circles and all of that sort of thing. It's pretty hilarious. But, um, and then, you know, we had non-paved streets. So I literally would ice skate in the street on frozen hard pack, not realizing that probably wasn't good for the skate, but I didn't care. So no, I'm, I'm yeah, baseball. That, that your NHL players and your figure skaters would not approve of that treatment of the skates, but and ironically, I uh, hockey is my least favorite team sport to watch. Okay. Uh, should we ask why that is? Uh, you can ask. I don't have a good answer, except that I think it's kind of dumb. Ooh. You know, hockey and soccer are alike, right? Yes. And I also equally disdain soccer. So okay. I'm not, my, I'm not a fan. But um, my son played soccer for, I don't know, seven years, eight years. I hated every minute of it. And um but I love my kid. So I sat out there with the soccer moms, with the juice boxes and the bananas and the carrots. And I did all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good. So. Okay. So we've, we've established that hockey and soccer are no fly zones. We're not going to go there anymore. Um, we've taken care of that. And, and apparently confessional time for, for August, you've now confessed to him that you really didn't care for hanging out at the soccer matches for seven years. He also but... swam though. And okay. I love swimming. I took swim lessons. My husband was a competitive swimmer in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, my family, we all were, took lessons. My younger sister, Julia did synchronized swimming for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, but we belong to the Y. That was another thing. My dad insisted that we all belong to the YMCA. We went to open swim. We went to family swim. My dad swam a quarter of a mile four times a week, every week, my whole life at the Y. He would get up, go to the pool, swim, come home. Um, my dad was a football player in high school mm-hmm. and was really, really good. And, you know, if I could remember his number, I would know what he played. Um, but I think he was like a, a defensive back mm-hmm. um, or a nose. I think I know he played both offense and defense, but both on the you know defensive positions. Mm-hmm. My dad was short, you know, he's five, six, stocky as heck. And my uncle used to say he that he was the strongest guy he ever knew in his life was my dad. And when my dad went to college, one of his high school player teammates played scholarship football where they went to college in um, Clarion. It was called oh. Clarion State Teachers College back in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And Dave Bevavino told the coach, the they were looking for, you know, like some really good players. And Dave said, you want to recruit Ned Salerno. And he's, he said, he's the best uh, defensive, whatever he played, got to have him. And he's going to college here. So the coach talked to my dad. Okay. So now I'm going to break the rule about no swearing, but my dad said to the coach, he goes, I came to college to get an education. I get the shit kicked out of me. So I'm not going to play football for you. And my dad had terrible knees his whole life because of it. Um, But um, yeah, he was very, very good and was recruited to play college ball. And my dad was just like, no, thanks. So, well, you know, growing up in Northwest Ohio, that was pretty much a given. I think everybody in Northwest Ohio 
event. It has to play some high school football, I think. It's, it's yeah, kind of like Pennsylvania. basketball in the Indiana. Yeah, Pennsylvania. I'm sorry. Yeah. Northwest Pennsylvania. It's like basketball in Indiana, hockey in yeah. uh, Minnesota. You're you're predestined, I think, to suit up and, yeah. and play on Friday nights. Yeah, that's absolutely it. My mother was a basketball player, but remember that's pre girls even having teams. So um, the college basketball coach saw my mother playing intramural sports and was like, I want that person on my team. Um, my mother coached, um, as I heard the story go, no, I don't have proof of this and I don't have anything, but she coached a state championship girls Catholic basketball team. And when she was going to college, so she was a big basketball player. My mom's quite tall. So my dad's five, six, my mother was five, 10 and uh, five, 10 and a half. And she was a great basketball player, loved basketball, really was um, sad that um, women didn't have that athletics the way that men did. Um, I loved basketball. My younger sister played basketball. I played until um, being five feet tall, more or less, didn't aid in that. So I quickly figured that out, which is probably my love-hate relationship with athleticism. Could be. It could be. Yeah. Now you referenced swimming. Um, yeah. This is a bit of a, I guess, a, a bird walk here, but I know that you went to the University of Michigan where they have over the mm -hmm. years had a pretty good swimming program. Did you ever go to watch any of the swimming competitions when you were at U of M? I did not. I went to only two events at U of M. This is exciting. I, I, can, I cannot wait. This is going to be great. Lay it on me. Two. I went to a basketball, a homecoming game, my senior year, uh, football. Jim Harbaugh would have been the quarterback, maybe. 19... 84 you'll have to help you'll fact check that for me and we will um, fact check that in post-production as they say exactly the but i believe 84 would be the the jim harbaugh wheelhouse yeah okay. and um it was against indiana it was michigan indiana and my athletic event was tailgating mm -hmm. and then um I went to another football game against Michigan, Minnesota for the Brown Jug, um, probably 83. So maybe my junior. So one my junior year and one my senior year. That's it. Okay. I was a singer. Yes. And so it was a dilemma. Alcohol bad for singing, right? Rexure takes a day or two out of you. Also, cheering at games takes a day or two out. So that really kept me from going to anything that you're going to cheer or be raucous at. Football, for sure, because of the cold weather and all of that. And um, I'm trying to think, did I go to any indoor sporting events while I was at U of M? I might have gone to a gymnastics meet. Um you know, there was so much to do. Yeah. And so, I mean, great athletics at the University of Michigan. Oh, I know what I, this is so, 
I can't believe I forgot this volleyball. I used to go to volleyball games because that's what I did. And I earned my letter because I was the trainer of the volleyball team. One of the trainers, I did stats and I wrapped ankles and wrists and mm -hmm. all of that sort of thing. One year when I was in high school and I earned a letter, I think it was a JV letter. Earned a varsity letter in choir and in band, but yeah, forever. <laughs> but I loved that. I loved taking stats. I love, I loved uh, determining, you know, sharing with the coach the strategies. Like this girl spikes this many times, and yeah. this is a great setter, and you got to watch out for her, and you've got to, you know, you want to make sure that Sandy's standing over here so Carol can do this. And I mean, I knew all those, all of the athletes that were. Um, at the court were close friends of mine in high school. And when I was in college, again, one of my close girlfriends that uh, I met because we were counselors together at Interlochen was a student athlete at U of M. She played volleyball, Trisha Wang. So that was the other thing that I went to go see. Nice. Yeah. So I love volleyball. I love watching volleyball. Yeah. I was a terrible server. Again, my height, a distinct impediment. Well, you would have been a setter, I, I imagine. While For you sure. Like, but yeah, yeah. everybody has to serve, serve at some point. Yeah. At some point. <laughs> hey, I suppose they could rotate you out, but that would be a lot. I, I guess they could. You know, it's like the DH. Do they have DSs? I don't know. Well, they do have defensive specialists. So Yes, um, but they don't have designated servers. No, not usually. Um, so talk to us a, a bit then, if you can, about, um, you know, the, the times at, at Tiger Stadium and, and what that experience was like as a family. I know you referenced the fact that your, your dad might've been a bit, um, disinterested, shall we say, but the fact that he was <laughs> keeping score tells me that he at least was familiar with the game, because if you're keeping score at a baseball game, you at least know what the heck's going on, which is kind of nice. So it wasn't yeah. because it wasn't out of sheer disdain and hatred for the sport that he was there and keeping score but what, what were those experiences like as a family of of uh what seven right yeah yeah um it was really cool you know um growing up in a family of seven every day every outing is like a party because there are so many of you and you're just hopeful that nobody spills their pop on you or that the one hot dog that you get doesn't land in the bleachers and the one popcorn, I mean, I just remember my dad like going, who wants a hot dog? Okay, just get the guy here, pass the hot dogs out. Then, you know, two innings later, okay, who wants popcorn? Okay, let's do that. Okay, now let's get a, so I mean, the guy, <laughs> it's like a goat rodeo, right? So, and, and these, you know, we were 10, my sister Martha was 10 when my younger brother was born. So by the time we were going to games together, Ned was five and Martha was 15. And so you got a lot of fairly little kids <laughs> trying to corral. And um, my mother used to say after three, the, the oldest ones take care of the little ones. So she never had to worry. So my mother literally watched the game while my dad arm wrestled with all the kids. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And I'm not sure we went, you know, probably not more than twice a summer. 
but it was a big deal, right? We'd get in our Chevy station wagon and uh, head down to the ballpark. And, you know, I was in first grade the year that the Tigers won the World Series. Um, And I would come home from school and my mother would be watching baseball on the television because, of course, day games, right? No night games. And when they won, we went down to Detroit. You know, let's drive down to Detroit. We get in our car. And then in 1984, when they won the World Series again, my mother, I was in college. Julia was in college as well, I think. Um, Yeah. And Bruna, my older sister, my brother were at home. And my mom's like, we're going downtown. (laughs) And they're like, okay. So they get about as far as what we now know is like the south end of East Point, right? Mm -hmm. And the police officers are all around 94 and all around there. And they're like, ma'am, you don't want to go downtown right now. My mother's like, I'm going downtown. Like, unless you're telling me that they've closed off the city, Mm -hmm. I'm driving my car and I'm going down to celebrate the Tigers winning the World Series. She was not going to miss it. Now, my sister Bruna did get jewelry stolen that night off of her neck. Um, but my mother was determined to celebrate the Tigers winning that World Series. That, and then she, when we go I was ahead. Ask, I was gonna ask, did she go to the parade then? What three or four days later? Did you know she, she did not? She no. she didn't do that. She wanted to be like right in the center of when it happened. Gotcha. Okay. That was it. Um, and then when we were in the pennant playoff. Remember that fateful Kenny Rogers and the. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 We were in Florida and my mother and father were in Florida and we were watching that game. And it happened to be a time because my dad's brother had passed away and we were all in Florida. So all of my siblings were down there with us and we're all watching the ball game. And my mother and father is, you know, little single wide coach. And we see the mark (laughs) as he goes to pitch. And my mother goes, what the heck? And she, expletive. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, well, that's it. You know, she's threw up her head. She was so angry that he did that. And that you could see it on national television. And it was an embarrassment to her. She was so angry, you know, so... Back then, um, was Pud Rodriguez still playing for the Tigers during that pennant race? Yeah. Because Pudge was her Tiger. Remember that campaign, Who's Your yeah. Tiger? Oh, yeah. Right? Pudge Rodriguez was my mother's Tiger. Oh, my God. Yeah. Pudge was also my son, Jake's. That was his Tiger. Yeah. Um, and mine was um, Placido Polanco. That was who my my tiger was Placido Polanco. You hear him yell his yeah. name. Oh uh, my, my god! My that's daughter, great. my daughter was all in for Maglio Ordonez. I think she liked the hair. And, yeah, um, and not my, a fan of Maglio. And my wife was a big fan of Cleet Thomas, who was kind of a backup outfielder yeah. off for a couple of seasons. There, she always liked Cleet. Mine was Granderson. Oh, I love Curtis. I mean, his. I mean, what, his come parents on. are teachers. I think her yeah, mom's a teacher. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, in in the 68 team, 67, 68 team, 
Um, Mickey Lolich, of course, you know, Detroiter, lived in the area, owned the donut shop, you know, in Rochester. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to the same ophthalmologist as we did. And I, w- I was in, I had to get a little piece of willow seed taken out of my eye that happened at the cottage and my mother brought me home and where, and there's Mickey Lolich and his kid sitting at Dr. Kane in downtown Mount Clemens ophthalmology office. And my mother could not, (laughs) she's just like gaping, you know, she loved him. Did she approach? Did she approach? She did not. She did not. She, she's like, they, she's like, do you know who that is? I'm like, no, of course I did. I was like sixth grade. I'm like, I had no idea who he was. It's Mickey Lolich. Okay. Okay. Uh, Maybe fourth grade. Yeah. So, so let's, um, we, we went backwards back to the tigers, but let's, let's fast forward now to more present day. Um, Mm -hmm. what, what, um, is your sports consumption like these days? I know you're very busy in your current role, so you don't have a lot of free time, but you do get around um, the state and you do some some stuff on the national stage. So I would imagine that there maybe are some opportunities to go to events on occasion or, or participate in some sort of functions that may be sports related. What what um, what are some of those been like for you? You know, I, every time I go to a different city, uh, friends of mine go to a ball game, particularly at the NAARA, which you've experienced. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the last time we went uh, in person pre last summer, which was Chicago, it was in um, Houston, right? Mm-hmm. So they all went and saw the Astros and Verlander was pitching. So all the Michiganders went to go see Justin Verlander pitch for the other team. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't go, my sister did, because typically um, it's a late, late night and I have to be up really early in the morning. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I don't do that all the time. Um, running with the dogs gets a little older, a little harder when you're, when you're approaching 60. So um you know, I, I've kind of mellowed out in that regard, but I watch a lot of golf. Um, I have very, very fun memory. I'm a golfer myself. My brother's a golfer. My go- my brother played um, golf uh, for in high school. And my grandfather was a scratch golfer. My uh, cousin, Tony, was a pro at a golf course in uh, New York State not far from where he went to college. Um, And my dad was a golfer too. And um, I I loved it. I used to be bored out of my mind. I remember going to Pennsylvania and watching golf on the only TV my grandparents had. And Sunday was my grandfather watching golf. Yeah. And... Um, it now I appreciate the zenness of that, but you can imagine as a very active child, I'm like, nothing else is on, like, not even a movie. We couldn't be watching a movie, <laughs> no, you know, watching Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholson. And 
or, or Nicholas. Yeah. Nick, Nicholson, Nicholson would Nicholas. Be Hollywood. Yes. Sorry, I thought sorry. I know well, he, like, he is a he is an Ohio State alum, so maybe you misstated his name intentionally, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's that. So yeah, I did that and um I took golf lessons for a time and uh, went to the treetops resort to do that. It was a woman's golf weekend and played three tops. That's some crazy golf. Yeah. Um, I got on the green one time in 18 holes. Um, but I birdied it. So there you have it. Um, but uh, it's something that Ken and I can do together. Mm-hmm. And it was something that my brother and I could do together. Because for a lot of years there, um, Ned was very close to my younger sister, Julia, very close to my older sister, Bruna, but Ned and I, not so much in that regard, and, but it was something that we loved and we did it and had in common. So um, that was a lot of fun for me and turns out I'm not terrible at it. So All the I don't better. play much right now, but I would love it. Yeah. Um... I know you said that you uh, would watch the golf on television with your, your grandfather um, and your dad was a golfer as well. I believe you said, Um, Mm -hmm. did you ever get a chance to play with either of them or did you pick up the game too late in life to, I picked up the game too late in life. That's such a great question, Doug. Um, It breaks my heart that my grandfather didn't know. I do two things. He absolutely adored. Number one, golf. And number two, play bridge. And my grandfather was a championship bridge player. Hmm. And my mother and father learned, and before they passed away in their last, you know, four or five years of their life, taught my younger sister, Julia, and I how to play. And so the four of us would play. And I said to my mom one time, I said, you know, I think, Grip, it was her dad, um, would be pretty happy to know that not only do I play bridge, but I golf. And she goes, Oh, he would have loved that you did that. Um, because for some reason, and I'm one of uh, 21 grandchildren on my mother's side, my grandfather and I had a very, very close relationship. And it, it kind of breaks my heart that he, he died pretty young. He was like six, 78 when he died. And I was in my 20s, early 20s. Um, so it's just kind of sad that I didn't get to do that. My brother did golf with my grandfather. He fished with my grandfather. I did fish with my grandfather. My grandfather loved to fish too. Um, and um, my dad wasn't playing golf by the time I was golfing because his knees were so bad. He went out and golfed one time right before I got down there and I thought, Oh, good. He's getting back on the course and we can go out. And I said, well, you know, we're here for whatever days you want to go golfing. He goes, I, I can barely walk from playing like nine holes two days ago. I, I can't do this. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you gave it, saved it for somebody. <laughs> you know? but, um, yeah. My dad kind of, he tried as he got older and it just was so hard on him. And it just wasn't worth it, you know, so. Yeah. No, knees can can have an effect on you that way. Yeah, it's not not a good scene. 
Nope. Um, <laughs> but to talk to me about Bridge. I don't understand. I have no knowledge of this game at all, and I, we're we're going down uh, a rabbit hole that we didn't expect to go down at all. But I'll I'll talk to you a little bit about it. Okay, I, I have no concept of what it is. All I know is I used to see wasn't an Omar Sharif in the paper, like giving yes. tips or some crazy yes, stuff. Yes, like, exactly. Wasn't, games wasn't, that you can play. Yeah. Was, wasn't right. it? Was, tips. My mother did the bridge hand in the newspaper every day. Okay. Every day. Uh, I'm not that bad. I don't do that. But um, bridge has trunk like euchre, like pinochle. Okay. Um, but bidding is an art. And the way that you bid tells your partner the kind of points you have in your hand in order to make the hand, right? So you start out and your partner says one club. Clubs are the lowest suit. It's clubs, then diamonds, then hearts, then spades. I think spades is the strongest suit. I'm trying to remember. It's been a while. And so you say one club. And that means I've got points in my hand. I've got a couple things that you can do, but I can support a stronger hand, right? Then the next person bids. And then whatever their bidding says, Either I'm stronger than they are, or I am not in the game at all. So the person that bids goes first, then it's a responder. Then your partner trumps and you say one trump and he says one club. They say, I don't know, two no trump. That means they have high cards, but he doesn't have a, they don't have a strong hand to play, right? Okay. It's a supportive hand, but I can't call a suit. I can't do anything. I'm calling no Trump. Then I would say, based on my partner going one club, if I had a strong suit or something else, I'd be like, I'd stay either in clubs or I'd move to the suit that was strongest in my hand. And saying one or two or three means how many points or tricks I think I definitely, I definitely have that. Hmm. And then it goes to the next person and then you respond, right? Scoring is an art. Julia always scores. I still to this day do not know how to score because there are points that are over the line in bridge. Have you ever seen a bridge scorecard? So it's two columns um, that are vertical and two lines that are horizontal. And so you get points above the line and points below the line, depending on whether or not you were the bidder, whether you won Trump, whether your points were earned while playing and leading Trump, or whether you were the team that was not calling suit for Trump. And then you go on from there, and then it's just taking tricks. Hmm. But I will tell you that the hardest part is, okay, bidding is very difficult because you've got to remember. And again, I probably haven't played. My mom and dad have been gone since 2012. So it's probably been 10 years since I've played. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that it isn't just the bidding. Now you have to play the right things at the right time. And that's when married couples shouldn't play with one another. Because <laughs> that becomes a, why did you play that? I love this. That tells you that. 
And and my dad used to go, how am I supposed She's like, you've played for years. But my mother used to teach bridge at the um, retirement um, village where they lived for women. Huh. Um, they played bridge. They played pinochle. I love pinochle. Pinochle to me is the most fun, goes fast. We play euchre now. Um, and I played when I was a kid, but euchre to me is like, whatever. It's not a thinking person's game. It's just like, it's beer drinking, something to do. I'm only, oh. I'm only slightly offended by that, but yeah, well, I know it's because Michigan people think it's everything, but pinochle is really where it's at. Yeah. Um, and then and play poker. And I and love I, to play poker. Okay. Is, this is going to be an odd question, but is I have no idea. Is bridge a dying game? Um, I mean, is, is there a generation that is taking it with them or are people picking it up? Uh, there is a resurgence. I actually read an article maybe a year ago, two years ago, particularly during the pandemic, people were teaching themselves how to play bridge and getting, you know, their pods were getting together and playing cards. It was something to do. And, um, but you really, need in order to be a good bridge player you really need to take lessons with a partner okay and then you need to be playing with those people all the time so when my parents were learning the game they didn't my mother would not um have her father teacher so she and my father took a class with uh friends of theirs which couple so it'd be like you and carol and me and ken Okay, every Thursday, we're going to take the bridge class. We're going to play with one another. We're going to figure it out. And then on the Saturdays, we're going to get together, go to dinner and play bridge and practice. And it would be like a no shame zone, right? <laughs> Except, you know, it's couples. So there's always a little shaming going on. About, I told you not to do that or whatever. Yeah. And you just play and you play round robin. So everybody played with everybody one time partnered and that sort of thing. So it really got you into the groove of how to um, master playing with someone you know well and someone you don't know well. And that art of the score and listening to bidding and all of that. And so that is my hope for Ken and I um, that we actually do. Um, take a class, really learn how to play it because we love to play cards. We have very close friends that enjoy playing cards and games and things like that. Our best friends from college, Paul and Bruce, who live in Chicago, whenever we're together, we play cards or a game of some sort. And yeah. um, it's always fun. And I think they would enjoy it, but they play Euchre more often than not. So that's who we play that with when we play it. I am. Uh, I feel like I have a little idea now about what bridge is about. Thank you for that. Just a teeny bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm still not sure I want to dive in and play it, but I, I'm encouraged that I at least know a little bit more. Than have I you played before. Pinochle, Doug? I may have played Pinochle once or twice, but I'm mainly oh. a, a euchre fella. I know that yeah. folks who have played Pinochle a lot and then they are transitioning to euchre or whatever, they get confused between the two on occasion, which is always kind of right. Um, because makes in me a little, euchre, makes me a little salty when I'm their partner and they 
misplay. Well, see, in Euchre, you don't have to play Trump. You don't have to beat a trick, right? Yeah. You can play off and all of that sort of thing if you don't have it. In Pinochle, if you don't have the suit that's played, you have to Trump. I gotcha. And even if somebody has trumped it in a higher card than you can play, you still have to play your Trump. So that's why Euchre to Pinochle players doesn't make any sense. It's like, wait, I, I don't have to play my Trump. I can just do whatever. Just this weekend we were playing and Ken kept on playing on Trump. And I'm like, what are you? I said, Ken, this is Euchre. You don't have to play Trump. He goes, no wonder, Paul. You know, he was like so frustrated. And and I wasn't his partner, but I thought, I can't let this guy keep going on playing pinochle rules in Euchre. That's just heartless. Yeah. So I gave him the heads up. Good for you. Ever play cribbage? I'm a giver. Cribbage? <laughs> yes, we love cribbage. Mm -hmm. That's got to be up north at the lake, I'm thinking. Right? It is. Yeah. We um, can... Uh, received for Christmas a cribbage board from my sister and brother. And then he bought a cribbage board that has the design, you know, that company that does the lakes, the carved yeah. lake. Our lake is one of the lakes that they do. And he got a cribbage board with our lake. So yeah, cribbage is an up north game for sure. Yeah. I, I learned cribbage from our mutual friend, Tim Parker. And others oh. in Fairbanks, Alaska, when I was there in a former life. Yeah. 13 go. There you go. There you go, <laughs> there you go indeed. Um, so let's let's take this home, Paula. Um, are there any sporting events that you have interest in trying to see in person? Would you like to try to get to something? Um, you, you know, know I haven't been to any of the major tennis matches. I would love to do go to the U.S. Open. Ken and I both played tennis. I broke many a window in my parents' home playing tennis against the wall because no one would play. And we had a long driveway when I grew up. So Julia and I would hit the tennis ball back and forth in the driveway. And then we used to ride our bikes up to Hillcrest Country Club. Anybody who might be listening who's a Macomb County native remembers the Hillcrest Golf Club, and there was the golf course, and they had tennis courts in the back that were, I will say, by the time we were playing on them, ramshackled. Um, and but we would go, and Julia and I would play tennis, and um, so I was really an individual sports kind of a mm -hmm. person, you know, the golf, the tennis, the swimming, all of that, and I loved it, badminton, all that sort of thing. Gus loved badminton. When we would camp, we'd play tons of badminton. Um, so I would love to go see a U.S. Open because I love tennis. I love watching tennis on TV. I would love to see a game, uh, a match played live. Um, so that would be something that I would really like. Um, I would love to see my beloved Wolverines be in a national championship again. Though we did watch what we... Uh, won and then shared the national championship with Nebraska. Um, Gus was an infant. Uh, he was born that September premature. And that game was, you know, in uh, December, January. And mm -hmm. uh, we sat and watched it. Gus had his little U of M onesie on. So the, the 
the thought was always to go and see Michigan play the Rose Bowl. Um, yeah. And it sounds like they might actually be talking about having the Rose Bowl be the championship game if they change this whole crazy nonsense playoff, which, by the way, not a fan of. But um, chalk that up. Uh, but that would have been lovely to do. And when um, two years ago, we nearly went. Um, it was the COVID year. We were going to go to the Capital One Bowl. And then we were, the Fiesta Bowl was New Year's Eve, but I had other things to do. So we didn't do that. I watched the game. Yeah. It was miserable. It's okay, though. There's always next year. Hope springs eternal. It, it really does. It really does. Um, well, this has been a lot of fun, Paula. Thank you. Thanks, Doug. You know, it's one of those things where, uh, full disclosure, people, listeners, I nagged Doug and said, why aren't you having me on the show? There, there was no no nagging involved. And <laughs> uh, this could be edited out in the post-production, too, but we may keep it in just because it's it's good. Uh, it plays well. Yeah. Um, no, there was not not really any nagging at all. And, and it's been it has been enjoyable. And I you know, the part that was most endearing to me of our conversation was the fact that, um, you know, family outings to the ball game, yeah. spending time with your grandfather, perhaps not at the top of your list at the time. But as you look back at it now, you know, how cool was that? And and one of the it's people such that a I, fondness. Yeah. One of the one of the folks that I was fortunate enough to have on previously was Grant Long, who I went to college with at Eastern Michigan and spent many years in the NBA. Um, and his uncle was John Long. Oh, if, if folks have not heard that episode, I encourage you to listen to it. And I'm not going to give too much of a spoiler away, but he used to enjoy going to see his uncle play basketball at the University of Detroit and then right. on with the Detroit Pistons. Not because he wanted to see Uncle John play or wanted to go to the game, but because he was going with his grandfather. And that, yeah. to him, was the highlight of those outings. It wasn't seeing NBA players or college players. It was being with his grandfather and having one-on-one -on -one time with him, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, um, as I said at the beginning, my parents were, um, you know, came to Michigan with no family here and just adopted Detroit as their home and loved it. And, you know, my brother had gone to Lions games on Thanksgiving day and basketball games, you know, the bad boys, uh, the Lambeer. I mean, who doesn't love them? I mean, well, there are a lot of, there turns out there are a lot of people that don't love Bill Lambeer, but if no, you they don't, Detroiter, but you, you know what them. Detroiters do, we still do. Yeah. Definitely identified as a Detroiter. Absolutely. Thanks yeah, again, Paula. So, thank you for everything, Doug. I really appreciate the time and the opportunity to talk with you. Conversations with Sports Fans is a production of The Sports Fan Project. Our theme music is, fittingly, entitled Wooden Championships by Lobo Loco. Please visit our website at thesportsfanproject.com for more information and to contact us. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with other sports fans you know and invite them to give it a listen.